May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. As we enter the thick of the holiday season, we thought we would talk about a quintessential component of the holidays, shopping, and specifically what's going on at department stores. Believe it or not, that is a legal topic, and here to discuss it with me is Giuliano Iannacone, a partner and chair of the international and retail groups and co-chair of the Italy practice at Tartar, Krinsky, and Drogan. Hello, Giuliano. Hello, Rich. How are you? I'm great. All right. So we're going to talk about department stores, and I said it is a legal issue because there's kind of a new thing going on, right, at the way retail works at department stores. Yes. This is actually a new thing or relatively new thing in the U.S. for the uh, luxury market and the fashion and apparel industry in general, although it has been a model that has existed for a long time in other jurisdictions around the world. And we're talking specifically about the concession model. The concession model, okay. And what is that? The concession model is essentially a way of carving out space within a department store that is fully dedicated to representing a brand. And uh, the space is exclusively available for that brand. One of the characteristics of the concession model is the way by which the product is supplied to the department store. Often the department store, instead of purchasing the product to then resell it to its customers, obtains the product on consignment or based on a similar arrangement, and uh, the product is then sold through the department store to the customers on behalf of the brand. So, and I think about this, we work, both of us, right near Macy's. And I walk in now to the men's department at Macy's, and there are different areas for different brands. Is that because they're operating through the concession model? Most of the time, yes. Most of the time, the brands are allowed a certain uh, bundle of rights with respect to the specific area in which the products are displayed and sold through. And... um, And yes, so the concession is typically an expression by which the product is made available through a department store. Um, The interesting thing about the concessions is that it's sort of, as I said, it's sort of a bundle of different type of uh, sub-relationships. Often in the industry, in the apparel industry, business people refer to the model as a lease model and the transition from the uh, old ways of distributing products through a department store as the wholesale model. So the transition would be from the wholesale to the lease model. But effectively, the uh, relationship between a brand and a department store with respect to a concession is not that of a lease. You do have a component, which is the grant of rights to utilize a specific designated area within the department store, But there's much more to the relationship than just the right to use that space within the department store. Okay, but we start with an agreement between the store and the brand as to what space within the store will be dedicated to the brand. That's exactly right. That's one of the first things probably that is discussed and negotiated between the parties, especially because brands would want to have a very prominent space within the department store. They want to be able to not be relocated within the department store, whereas the department store wants to have the flexibility to be able to redesign their space in connection with a general 
redesign of the different areas of the department store or because they feel like the particular brand would be more suitable and more successful in a different area of the building. So I have a sort of fundamental question about this, which is why is this transition happening? Why is the model changing after really so many years of doing it a different way, at least in the United States? That's a, that's a very good question. I think there's at least like four main reasons why brands transition from the wholesale model to the concession model. The first one is to create a closer connection with their client. It's essentially, being able to be more directly involved in the way in which the product is presented and ultimately sold to the customer is critical to the success of a brand, and the concession model will allow that. Rather than handing over the customer interface part of it to the department store, the brands get to do it themselves. Correct. The second aspect is having uh, more visibility over the inventory. In the concession model, often the, the ownership of the inventory and the control of the inventory is retained by the brand, which means that the brand will maintain closer visibility as to the mix and the volume of stock available at the store. That creates a, an advantage also, which is probably the third factor by which that drives the uh, conversion, which is the ability to create and optimize the omni-channel reach of the brand. Being able to have access and, and uh, uh, visibility over the inventory allows you to better plan and arrange for your omni-channel business. What do you mean by that, the omni-channel? I'm not familiar with that term. The, the ability, the brand's ability to distribute products across many different channels, not just the department store, but online, and oftentimes using the same inventory to service clients through different outlets. So to integrate what's going on at the department store with what the brand is doing in other places and that's, on the Internet. That's correct. The fourth reason is to create a more closer inclusion of the brand's personnel and uh, the brand's culture in the distribution of products through the department store. Often the department store's personnel will be either shared or employed directly by the brand, and that would allow the brand to have its own input and uh, to express its own culture through its own uh, staff at the department store. And what is the reason the department store would move to this kind of arrangement? It really depends. I've had experiences in that would justify a transition or offering this arrangement to a brand by the department store, which are driven by different factors. One would be sometimes if a type of product is not apparel and the department store is not necessarily used to distributing that type of product, for example, toys, the department store might not want to undertake the level of risk associated with buying and reselling inventory that they're not used to distributing through the department store. Other times could be a brand that is not then known in the particular market in which the concession is being established and maintaining a concession arrangement would allow the department store not to have ownership of the inventory and therefore not to be undertaking the risk of the unsold merchandise at the department store. Many different reasons can drive a decision or a preference of the department store, these being two of them. And I suppose it's a way of the department store, right? The department stores are in a difficult environment these days because they have competition on the internet, and it's probably a way to address that. Exactly. I think that would be probably another factor that would move the preference of a department store to not own the inventory and the concession model will allow for that, especially for brands for which 
the sell-through is not that easy to determine and forecast, I think the concession model will probably serve that purpose. All right. Let's talk a little nuts and bolts about this. So you have a department store and you have a brand that's going to have a space in that department store. What are the kind of things they need to reach agreement on to have that relationship? Yeah. As I said before, the concession arrangement is sort of a multifaceted business arrangement. And the agreement that memorializes that arrangement is a kind of a hybrid of different type of relationships that typically exist separate and apart from from themselves from each other. Often you'll have a licensing portion, meaning like the grantor rights to utilize a certain portion of the space. Then you have the supply of product component, which is a the the part of the relationship that governs the transfer of product from the brand to the department store. There's often a co-branding element to an agreement of concession. Co-employment issues arise, uh, data sharing uh, with respect to the data of customers that buy products from the department of the brands, and often construction and logistic services aspects come into play. I would say that, unlike many other agreements, approaching the negotiation and drafting and, and memorializing a concession relationship requires the involvement of many different many different functions within within a company. Let's talk about a couple of those aspects of the hybrid business arrangement you just spoke about. Uh, there's a, a leasing or licensing component, and that's of the space in the department store, right? Correct. Okay. And the product supply is the supply from the brand to the store. How is that handled? Does the inventory become property of the store or does it typically stay property of the brand? Typically, one of the way in which the supply is uh, designed is by way of establishing a consignment type relationship. The brand will then deliver the product to the department store and retain title to the inventory until the product is sold by the department store to customers. So that's one common way of, of addressing the supply of products and from the legal de- standpoint. The department store might like that because they don't have to acquire a lot of goods that might not get sold. Correct. It leaves that inventory with the brand. I can see the advantage to both sides of doing that. When you talk about co-employment, so these are the people who would be operating the brand space at the department store. And are you suggesting they would be employees of both the store and the brand? I would suggest that there are times that the employees are employees of the brands. Sometimes they are employees of the department store. Sometimes they have to be employees of the department store because of, uh, let's say, union requirements that the department store is subject to. I think the use of the term co-employment has to do with the risks and um, inevitable overlapping of issues and um, relationships that exist once you have an employee of, let's say, the brand operate and perform his or hers responsibilities inside the premises of a different company. Right, because you have potential employment-related liability issues both at the brand level and the store level, and everybody has to understand where the rights are and where the obligations are. Correct. And if you think about it, if the employee performs services within the department store, 
but represents a certain brand. And if the employees' compensations and benefits are paid or reimbursed by the brand, the brand would want to have some degree of input in choosing that particular employee, uh, supervise the employee, making sure that if there's any reviews or, or some type of uh, disciplinary action to be taken, the brand should be factored into the process. And once you have that coexistence of two parties having input in the life of an employee or in the relationship with an employee, ultimately you do have to address the potential risk of both parties being seen and perceived as employers. Right. And the potential risk of litigation and the need for employment practice liability insurance, you have to consider all that kind of stuff. That's correct. Okay. And data sharing, that one uh, piqued my curiosity too because obviously this is a big issue in retail, wherever it is, that you're getting highly confidential information from customers. Obviously, you're getting their credit card information, but in some cases, you're getting addresses and email addresses and phone numbers, and you're compiling a database of customers. That's correct. And I think that's probably one of the main reasons why brands want to convert from the wholesale model to the concession model, to be able to expand their reach to customer data, which legitimately could become their customer data if the relationship between the brand and the department store and the department store and the customer is properly addressed and, and memorialized and the policies that apply factor that potential sharing into consideration. But I would say that the acquisition of customer data in a world and at a time now in retail where most of the value is drawn from your ability to understand and forecast customer behavior and the ability to provide offerings that are in keeping with the ever-changing and dynamic taste of customers. I think it's probably one of the most important aspects that makes this relationship very valuable for brands. I guess the bottom line is these are relatively complex relationships to chart out in contract form because you're talking about a number of different issues in different disciplines, right? That's correct. And that's why, you know, when we uh, negotiate and assist and support clients in negotiating these agreements, we do have to tap into the expertise of different professionals and we do have to tap into the expertise of different people within the company itself. Can you give us an idea of what are the top issues that are coming up in these kind of discussions? Yeah, I think the top issues are, I think, risk of loss of inventory is a relevant issue. And often the one of the compromises that brands and department stores try to reach is with respect to the who is taking the risk of products not being damaged or lost. Does that include theft? When you say lost, do you mean? It could include anything that would make the product disappear. And that could be the product is returned by a customer, but it's not properly processed and it cannot be identified within the reach of the department store, or it could be effectively shrinkage of inventory. The other thing that, that also takes some time to arrive at a final resolution is the determination of how payment is made, like what's the consideration for this grant of rights by the department store to the brand. And typically the inventory belongs to the brand, the inventory is sold through the department store, so the department store's consideration for that service of allowing the brand to exist in that space and selling through that department store system is some form of fee determined often by the sales um, that are taking place at the department store. Obviously. If you include all the services that the department store provides and often the employees that are made available to the brand, there is 
typically a reconciliation or some type of settlement process that occurs periodically, monthly or, or more often. And that settlement process needs to create both uh, accuracy, visibility of the process, and an outcome that tries to minimize the amounts of disputes that could arise between the parties. Otherwise, the relationship becomes inefficient to manage. You know, we talked about also already with respect to the personnel, like who is going to be hiring the personnel, who has control over the personnel, who's liable and responsible for actions and acts and omissions of the personnel. And all those aspects can actually take a lot of time to be properly negotiated and addressed in the agreement. Any other key issues that you see in these agreements? You know, we talked about customer data. I think it's important because of uh, that being probably one of the main reasons for converting from a wholesale model to a concession model. I think being able to clearly define who owns what data and who can use the data that is collected through the department store and make sure that you're inevitably having to deal with, if you have co-ownership or if both parties can use the same data, you have to deal with two universe of rules that have to do with the handling of privacy. And so each party most of the time have to be aware of those rules and make sure that you ultimately comply with the highest level of protection that the um, combined set of uh, criteria and rules governing and regulating privacy would dictate. Giuliano, can you tell us a little bit about your practice, what it is you do in your legal work? I think our practice is a multidisciplinary and uh, fully integrated practice that is designed to support mainly companies that operate in the retail sector and often companies that are international companies. And by international, I mean global companies that establish and operate their business in the United States that have their headquarters in uh, foreign jurisdictions. So uh, over the years, we have established a certain degree of expertise in uh, supporting these type of clients. And um, often we function as their outside general counsel. We like to end with what we call a closing argument. And it's sort of a takeaway for listeners who have heard us talk about this new concession model. What are one or two things you would want somebody listening to walk away with? I think the the concession model is a good example of things changing. Like the for many, many years, the wholesale model was the main way by which brands and department stores would operate. And all of a sudden, there's been a quick transition towards embracing this model. I think that the retail market and sector and brands and companies that operate within this sector need to understand that adaptability and being able to evolve with the times and and quickly is key. And from my perspective, being able to create agreements that sustain the test of time is critical in an environment and landscape that makes what's relevant today not relevant six months or a year from today and be able to forecast and foresee not just the legal issues that can arise, but also the business needs that will need to be addressed in the future. And as these new arrangements develop, the agreements are going to keep on changing. I think the agreement are going to the agreements are going to keep on changing, and I think that being able to uh, think outside the box or the specific category of agreements that we were used to, like the lease agreement, the wholesale distribution agreement, being able to be eclectic and be able to cross-reference different arrangements and agreements, I think is going to be key to addressing the needs of clients. 
Giuliano, I'm really happy to have you on. I know you're one of the busiest guys at the firm, so I'm glad you made a little time to share this with us. We can all think about it as we go deeper into the holidays. So happy holidays to you. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief. Law Brief.